as you take your copy of God's Word and turn to Philippians 1, Philippians 1, let me tell you about uh, Dwight Moody. Dwight Moody was traveling by boat on one of the Great Lakes when a bad storm developed. Now, the passengers began to cower in fear as the story goes, and an impromptu prayer meeting was formed, which he did not join. <laughs> when he was asked why he didn't join them for their impromptu prayer meeting, he said, I love this, he says, I have a sister in Chicago and I have one in heaven, and I don't care which one I meet tonight. <laughs> I'll fly away, right? How do you like that? What a great outlook. What a great attitude. Uh, that's much like the attitude that we're seeing from Paul here in Philippians 1. And I think the reason for that is what the Apostle Paul and D.L. Moody had in common. They both had an eternal perspective that led to their joy and their contentment in life even when facing the unknown, like being on a boat in the middle of deep water in a storm. Not only did that eternal perspective with eyes of faith fixed on Christ prepare them for, for life, it also prepared them for death. And we're going to see this, especially in Paul's attitude in the text that we're going to look at today, that he was prepared to die because he had trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, and he had devoted himself to living life for Christ. So he was prepared to live for Jesus, and he was prepared to die because he was living for Jesus. This is what we're hearing from Paul in Philippians 1 and verse 21 this morning, and this is our text for today. So look, at, look with me at verse 21. Philippians 1, verse 21, 4 and this is a very familiar passage to us, correct? For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, even though we may be nodding our heads in agreement when we read a passage like that, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain, we might be nodding along thinking, yep, yeah, I agree with that, that, that I believe those words, I want to live this way. The question is, are we really living in such a way that we can honestly say those words with Paul? That's a challenge to us this morning, I believe. It's a challenge to me. I, I'm guessing it's a challenge to you as well. If I asked you to complete this statement, for me to live is blank and to die is blank. If you didn't know this passage, if, and we might call this the Sunday school answer, if you didn't know the Sunday school answer to give, <laughs> like you're supposed to give, well, for me to live is, to, is Christ and to die is gain. What would you say if you didn't know the answer you were supposed to give? What would your heart say? Or would you struggle to say what Paul says? Can we truly identify with Paul in what he says? It would be wonderful if we had the same courage as Paul. And before you go thinking that Paul was special, you need to realize that he needed the Holy Spirit like you and I do. 
And he had the Holy Spirit as a believer in Jesus, and we can praise the Lord for that similarity between us. So I want you to look at how this can be true of us if we are following Jesus. And I want you to consider two things. It's a really simple verse, but it's not a simple thought. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a short verse, but it's an important challenge to us today. That's why I'm just looking at verse 21 today and not going any further. First, let's consider this. What does Paul mean when he says, to live is Christ? Let's begin by asking ourselves a few questions. What are you passionate about? Think about it. What are you passionate about? What excites you? What do you give your energy to? What do you give your time to? How do you spend your money? What topic do you enjoy reading if you're a reader? What topic do you enjoy watching if you're a movie watcher, a TV watcher? What topic do you enjoy the most? The answers to those questions may reveal what or who you are living for. Do they reveal that Christ is your life? As Paul says here, for me, for to me to live is Christ. Is Christ your life? Can you echo those words with Paul wholeheartedly, unashamedly? Or would you have to say something like this? For to me to live is to be successful. I want people to look at me and say he or she was successful. Or would you say for to me to live is pleasure? I'm just looking for the joy I can get, the pleasure I can get out of every day. I cannot wait for the weekend when I don't have to go to work. And I, we knew a fellow one time, and uh, a, a great, and I, I quote him all the time with this and, and several other things. He would say, just a, he was a delightful man from West Virginia that we met in Northern Michigan. And he and I would say, Farrell, do you have to go to work tonight? And he would say, Nope. I get to go to work every time. Every time he corrected me, nope, I get to go to work. So I started saying, Farrell, do you get to go to work tonight? And he would say, yep. <laughs> but sometimes we look at our work that way, don't we? I just cannot wait for my work to be over. Oh, that's a whole other topic that we'll deal with sometime. But get this, God wants you to look at your work as your mission in life to please Him and honor Him and honor your employer and to point others to Christ with your quality of work and the way you do it with joy. Enough said. I'll stop there because I'm getting off on another sermon right now. For to me to live is to have great achievements. I want to be known for the things that I accomplished in, thy, in this life, in my life, in the time that God gave me? Or would you say, for to me to live is to gain great wisdom? Now, I mentioned this uh, a minute ago that we're going to deal with the topic of prayer tonight. And in fact, the topic that we're going to deal with in prayer is asking God for wisdom. So we know the Bible tells us to ask God for wisdom. So I'm not saying we shouldn't ask for wisdom, but is your goal in life, is, is your desire in life to be known that you were smart, you knew a lot of things, you were intelligent, you, you were really accomplished because of your great wisdom. 
Or would you say, for to me to live is to receive recognition for all my accomplishments, all the things that I've accomplished in life. Or, for to me to live is to see my children be successful. That's a challenge for many of us, isn't it? We want to see our children be successful. But is that what you're living for? Is that your highest purpose and joy? Or would you say, for to me to live is just to make it through another day? <laughs> and some of us can identify with that. And sometimes that's okay. I just to say to the Lord, I just want to get through this day, Lord, help me in this day. And that's in a, in a way that's biblical. <laughs> Because we know that tomorrow has enough troubles of its own, right? The Bible tells us that. Don't worry about tomorrow. And so in some ways, it's okay to say, God, help me through this day. But why are you living this day? What drives you? What gets you going in the morning besides coffee? <laughs> That's for me. I, need, I, I think I need coffee in the morning. So I make coffee and I... You see, the instruction God gives us here in the Bible, seen in the life of Paul, is that he had a clear and singular passion, a clear and singular vision for his life. His focus was focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. His passion in life was serving Jesus. Now for Paul, truly living meant living for Christ. That consumed him. And not in a bad way. We talk about being consumed by things, and sometimes we say, well, that's bad. That just consumes me when I think about that or do that. This was not a bad thing to be consumed with living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you just heard me say something about your work. And it's okay to work. It's a good thing. It's necessary to work. We need to provide for our families, for ourselves. God wants you to see your work as part of His mission for you in honoring Him in the way that you do your work. Not to be consumed by it, but to look at it as a place where you serve Jesus. Not separated from, to say, well, I'm going to go serve Jesus today by going to church. And I would suggest that you come to worship Jesus so that you can go serve Jesus the rest of the week when you come to church. So this consumed Paul. And not in a bad way. This was for the better. He could honestly say, for to me to live is Christ. Now if Paul were alive today, I think he could sing with sincerity these words. Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. And Paul's statement in verse 21 is challenging. It's humbling. I can't help but be convicted when thinking carefully about this passage, that this isn't always true of me. Sometimes I get passionate about the wrong things. I get consumed by the wrong things. And when thinking carefully about this passage, how do you feel about that when you look at your life? See, I want this to be true of my life. I want this to be true of your life. And I want you to want this to be true of your life, that you can say this with Paul. For to me, to live is Christ. Now, if I were to choose one verse that this little book of Philippians revolves around, it's actually this verse. That's why we stop at one verse here and take our time with this, because really, Philippians kind of hinges on this passage. 
Verse 21 is the key to this little book. In fact, this passage ought to be the key theme for the life of every believer. And I'm not one who actually says you need to have a life verse. And I'm not suggesting that this be your life verse. I think the whole Bible should be your life verse in a way. It's okay if you've got a life verse. I'm not saying it's, it's wrong. But, but this is a powerful passage and it's convicting when we take it personally. Some of us may not be able to truthfully say, for to me, to live is Christ. But, is it your desire? Would you look at this and say, yes, I want this to be characteristic of my life. I want people to look at my life someday and, and recognize that I've been living for Jesus. So what does this look like to be able to say with Paul, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain? Well, first we need to note that only a follower of Jesus can truly say and mean this. Only a believer in and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ can truly say and mean this. There may be people who have not believed in Jesus as their Savior here with us this morning. That may be you. You have not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, you cannot say for to me to live as Christ. Because you've not confessed that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And you've not trusted in that Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone for your salvation, for your forgiveness of sins. He will gladly give it. God gives you His forgiveness when you ask. And you can do that even to this, this moment while I'm speaking. You can, in, in the silence of your own heart, pray to God and ask for the forgiveness of sins, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today because Romans 10.13 tells you that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What about you who would say today that you are a believer in Jesus? What if someone asked you to tell them about yourself? What if someone asked you to say, hey, tell, tell me about you? Would you lead with, I am a follower of Jesus? <laughs> or would the first thing you tell them be about your job, or your family, or your upbringing? We naturally kind of gravitate to those things, don't we? Well, I wonder if as followers of Jesus Christ, we ought to be thinking about whose we are. We are Christ's, first and foremost. We are not Americans, first and foremost. We are Followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are His first and foremost. I'm not a Pierpont first and foremost. I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ first and foremost. Hmm. <laughs> Those are fun things to deal with, right? If you're a believer in Jesus then the first key to being able to say about your life, for to me to live is Christ, is for you to be, to be a follower of Jesus. If you say you believe in Jesus, are you following Jesus? That's a challenge to us. Because often it's easy to say, I'm a believer, I go to this church, I'm a part of that faith community. But are you actually following Jesus? 
as you think about your life, you may realize that other concerns, even worthwhile and important concerns, have taken the place that Jesus alone should have in your life. What can help you put Jesus in first place in your life? What can help you? What can help you make living for Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, your first priority? I want to make four observations that will help you. I want to give you four indicators that will help you gauge whether you are serious about putting Jesus first in your life. Here's the first indicator about whether you're serious about putting Jesus first in your life, being able to say, for to me to live is Christ. Consider first your need for the Bible. Your need for God's Word in your life and your need for making reading it yourself a priority. I do not believe you can wholeheartedly follow Christ and all that He wants for you without the Word living in you. And you cannot have the Word living in you if you are not feeding yourself the Word. It's, it's a good thing that you are here. It is a good thing that you seem to be paying attention to what I'm saying as I point to the Scriptures. But you also must feed yourself God's Word. You must feed on it a hunger and thirst for it yourself. Making the Bible a priority in your life is another way of saying, for to me, to live is Christ. We have God's Word. Think of this. We have the Bible it's like a personal letter. It's not like a personal letter. It's better than a personal letter from God to you. We have God's Word. Do you treasure the Bible? Do you let days pass without reading the Scriptures? Without opening your Bible to read what God is saying to you? You know, it's possible that we let many other things that are not bad in themselves take over our time. And we would think in our minds, I don't have time to read the Bible. And I would argue you don't have time to not read the Bible. Maybe our failure to read God's Word and pray, and we'll talk about that in a moment, should tell us something about whether we can really say, for to me, to live is Christ. If we're not making that a priority. For the believer who wants to say with Paul, for to me, to live is Christ, reading your Bible is one way you show Jesus how much you love Him because you take His word to you as important and critical and necessary for your life. So that's number one. Consider your need for God's Word, that you are reading God's Word. Do you, do you realize you need to read God's Word and hide God's Word in your heart? Number two, consider your need for communion with God in prayer. And I've already mentioned it. Tonight we're going to start a brief three, probably about a three-week series on prayer. And it's, I think prayer is so important. I hope you'll come back and, and prepare yourself to be challenged and encouraged with your need for prayer and how to pray, and what to pray. But consider your need for communion with God in prayer. Making prayer a priority is another way of saying, for to me to live is Christ. In fact, prayer is a non-negotiable 
for a believer in Jesus. I think that's it's another one of the non-negotiables. Getting the word of God into you is a non-negotiable for a believer in Jesus. You need it. You must have it. Prayer is another one. Prayer is a non-negotiable for a believer in Jesus. Isaiah 55, 6 reminds us of the necessity of prayer, saying, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. That's an encouragement, a challenge that God is there. He is always there to hear and answer your prayers. And in Philippians 4, 6, Paul writes this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Why do we do that? It's what we said at the beginning this morning, because God is in control. Think of that. The God of the universe, the creator of the universe, hears and answers your wholehearted, believing prayers, faith-filled prayers. If you are really devoted to someone and care about them, what do you do? You communicate with them. You talk to them. You write them, well, you used to write them letters. Now you send them emails and texts. You communicate with them. It's the same with prayer. Whether or not we are devoted to praying always, often, and about everything or not is a good gauge of where we are in our devotion to following Jesus. If you say, for to me to live is Christ, that should be reflected in the priority that you place on reading the Bible and giving yourself to prayer, trusting God for the answers that He will give the perfect answers that he will give. Number three, consider the necessity for obedience to Christ. That's a third indicator of whether this statement, for to me to live as Christ is true for you or me or not. Your love, your devotion, your commitment to Jesus is going to be reflected by your obedience to him. Jesus says in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, I say that, you, you need to know, and, and you, you already know this, let me just remind you of something you already know, perfect obedience is going to be difficult to achieve this side of heaven. But nonetheless, God calls us to obey. And if you're a believer in Jesus, you have a desire to obey. Do not let Satan defeat you and discourage you and make you think that you cannot obey. You can obey. With the power of the Spirit living in you, you can take steps to obey. Perfect obedience is going to be challenged this side of heaven because we're still living in the flesh, dealing with the temptations of the flesh. But that does not mean we give up and stop making obedience to God's Word a priority. If Jesus is your life, then you will want to live in obedience to Him. And you will take steps to practice, and I do mean practice, obedience. <laughs> we need lots of practice. And then number four, consider how you talk about Jesus. Consider how you talk about Jesus this indicator of your real desire to say, for to me to live is Christ, will be seen in how you talk about Jesus to others. And here's what I mean. Do you look at the, the Christian life and living the Christian life 
as a, as a follower of Jesus, as a burden or a blessing? I think sometimes we're guilty of looking at the Christian life as a burden. Somebody says, why do you do that? We might say, well, my church you know, makes me, or the Bible says, or I don't, you know, we, we kind of groan. But do you look at living the Christian life as a follower of Jesus Christ as a burden or a blessing? Do you speak of the work that God is doing in your life with joy or with sorrow? Now, I realize godly grief is necessary at times. We need to grieve over our sinfulness. We need to grieve over the things that we struggle with because we want to devote them to Christ and we need His help to, to conquer the flesh, the sin that's so prevalent in our lives. But do you speak of the work that God is doing in your life with joy? Are you grateful to God for the work that He is doing helping you? Or do people often hear you complaining? Oh, believer, do not be known as a complainer. Oh, God wants us to be joy-filled and thankful and grateful and content in Him because He's in control. If Jesus is at the center of your life, then people should be encouraged by being around you. People should want to be around you because you speak highly of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they, they see Him clear when they spend time with you because you've been pointing them to Jesus. People should hear you speak highly of the Bible also. This is God speaking to us. This is the Lord's word to us. People should hear you speak highly of God's word, the Bible. People should know that you treasure God's people also, the church. That you cannot wait to be with them again each week. We can't spend all of our time here. That's okay. We need to be out in the world pointing people to Jesus. But we ought to look forward to being together. We ought to long to be together again. Now there are limits to how much time we can spend together. And there's a limit to how much time we should spend together. Because we should not spend all of our time together. We should be out in the world pointing people to Jesus with the work that we do, with our families, with our neighbors, with our business acquaintances. But we dare not neglect being together. Do you long to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you take advantage of the opportunities that you have to fellowship with the believers? And and our fellowship is sweet, like we sang this morning. We sang together. Those words, I'll fly away. What a precious thing that we have to, to fellowship with one another in that way. We are fellowshipping together now in the Word as we open our Bibles together and we all hear the same things. Incredibly, the Holy Spirit can take the same things that we hear and use them in different ways in each of our lives. That's incredible. But do people know you love your church family? You love God's people. You cannot wait to be with God's people again. Paul could say, for to me to live is Christ, because living for Jesus was his passion. He wanted to make Jesus known. Living for Jesus was truly living to Paul. Do you see life that way? That living for the Lord Jesus Christ is truly living. Paul was devoted to hearing and speaking the truth of God's word. He was devoted to prayer. He was serious about obeying. 
And he was committed to pointing people to Jesus through the gospel that he spoke and lived out. And as a result, he had an intimacy with Christ and a devotion to him that was clear in how he lived. I think the same will be true of us. If we're minding these kinds of spiritual disciplines and and able to say, for to me to live is Christ, it will be clear in the way that we live to those around us. For to me to live is Christ. What about that next phrase in verse 21? What about that next phrase? To die is gain. Have you ever been separated from a loved one for a period of time? It doesn't take long to be separated from someone you really loved. It may may just take a day or two or maybe a longer period of time. Have you ever been separated from someone or at a distance from them because you were you were doing your work, you were, a business had taken you away, some obligation. When you're away from people you love, you can hardly wait to see them again. You can hardly wait to be face-to-face with them. And I'm looking forward to the day when we are face-to-face with one another without our masks. So we can see each other's smiles. You don't try to smile with your eyes. That's really hard. If you have a personal relationship with your Savior, you will also be able to say with Paul, to die is gain. That's kind of what we were saying this morning as we sang, wasn't it? Sometimes, though, our lives are so wrapped up in other things instead of Christ that we aren't really that excited about the eternity that we have promised with our Savior. How can that be? We get caught up in the here and now, don't we? This is what I mean when, when this side of heaven, it's going to be really hard to live with perfect obedience because even in the way that we live, sometimes we don't give eternity with Christ its preeminence that it should have in our lives. And we think, I want to get as much as I can get here and now because it, it's all gone when I'm dead. <laughs> You're not thinking about eternity properly. Erwin <laughs> Lutzer says this, By all standards, death is the most dreaded event. Our society will pay any price to prolong life. Just one more month, or even another day. Perhaps our desire to postpone death reflects our dissatisfaction with God's ultimate uh, purpose. Remember, His work isn't finished until we are glorified. (laughs) Most of us, would like to see God's work remain half-finished. We're glad we're called and justified, but we're not too excited about being glorified. I heard somebody say it this way once. We all want to go to heaven. We just don't want to go on the next bus. But Paul didn't feel that way. And he didn't dread death. In fact, he He knew he could have been facing death soon. He was looking forward to being with Jesus. He understood that for the believer in Jesus, to die is gain. He understood that to die meant to be with his Savior, the one he loved, the one he adored. And what a wonderful eternity that will be for all believers in Jesus Christ. But for people who have not trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, death is not gain. 
For people without Christ, death is loss. It is a horrible, tragic, awful loss. Believers should never see it that way for themselves. But unbelievers, it's sobering if they understand this and are challenged with this. The Bible makes clear that death is eternal separation from God and a horrible eternity in hell. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9 describes death as suffering the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. But for people like Paul who had trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and have received eternal life because Jesus has conquered death and sin, passing from this life that we know here and now is gain. Dying for the believer in Jesus is victory over death. Jesus, in John chapter 5 and verse 24, says of this victory over death, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. You believe in Jesus? You have passed from death to life, even though your physical body still faces an earthly death. So for the believer in Jesus, to die is gain. Can you say this morning with Paul, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain? That is hard. Sometimes we look at our life and we think of the people around us, but what will happen to them when I'm gone? And we get caught up in that. Or what will happen to my stuff when I'm gone? And we get caught up in that. Or what about all the things that I want to do first? And we get caught up in that. If you have not trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, you need to take seriously what the Bible says about your eternity, separated in eternal suffering and punishment, separated from God. In fact, I would gladly share with you, if you want to speak to someone about Trusting in Jesus. I would gladly talk to you about that. I'd love to. If you have trusted in Jesus, but you realize the evidence of your life is saying something other than what Paul says here, it's possible that other things have become more important to you. That a life lived centered on Jesus and his word is not true of you. Maybe you can identify with the person who says, I want this to be true of my life, but it's a challenge. And maybe more of us would say that than not. I want this to be true of my life, but it's a challenge. And God knows how hard it is for us. And so he gives us his word. And he gives us the privilege of prayer. And he gives us the challenge to take steps to obey. And he gives us the church to encourage us and help us along the way. God promises to help all who call on him for wisdom and strength to follow Jesus. This is what we hear in Luke chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. And I tell you, ask 
and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. God hears you when you ask for help. And He gives you His help. When you take advantage of the resources that He has given you, and by His Spirit, He will bring to bear the truth of the Word in your life when you will saturate your life with the Word and wholeheartedly seek to obey Him with the Word. And when you need help and say, God, help me obey you. Help me to be able to say, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. God loves to show up and help answer that prayer. As we pray this morning, let's each one ask, for the Lord's strength. Let's ask for the Lord's wisdom and help so that we can truly say with Paul, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain.